Thank you for listening to our church podcast, where it is our joy to share helpful truths from the Bible. We pray this serves as one more tool to help develop leaders within our church and community who love and honor Jesus and reveal it by loving others. If you have any questions or comments about any of the messages, we invite you to join us on any Wednesday, 6 p.m., for a group discussion on the passages and sermons found here. Scriptural reading this morning will be found in the book of Luke, chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. I will read the first verse, and after you join with me on the second verse, and continue with me after every verse. Luke, chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. Now Jesus went praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, and John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to read it. We ask that your blessing be upon the pastor as he delivered the message. And we ask that we all understand and receive the message through your glory. Amen. All right. Well, we are continuing our study of the model prayer in uh, Luke chapter 11. It's also often called the Lord's Prayer, although as we pointed out a couple of weeks ago, it may be better to call it the Christian's Prayer because it's not his prayer. It's a prayer that he gave uh, to us to pray. I was reminded this week, although this is a very familiar prayer to most of us, it's, it's not to everyone. Some people are very unfamiliar with this. I heard that uh, one guy challenged his friend and he said, if you're so religious, recite the Lord's Prayer and I'll, I bet you 10 bucks you can't do it. The man responded, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. The friend who had made the bet pulled his wallet out, handed him $10 and said, I really didn't think you could do it. Um, But I hope most of us are at least a little bit more familiar with this prayer uh, than those guys. And if not, you will be in a couple of weeks uh, after we finished our study of it. We looked at this a few weeks ago, and uh, so far we've looked at the first two requests given Uh, by Jesus in this prayer. Number one, we are to pray that God's name would be hallowed, and then number two, that God's kingdom would come, that his kingdom would advance, and as Matthew adds, that his will would be done. And so we've looked at those in the last uh, couple of weeks, and then today we're going to look at the next verse, verse three, which says, give us each day our daily bread. Or as Matthew's version says it, give us this day our daily bread. And so if you put those two together, we are to pray each day, that God would give us the bread for that day. And again, this is a model prayer that is supposed to be a daily prayer for a Christian. And I want to encourage each person in this room, make this a part of your life. Uh, The Lord said that we are to pray this and we are to pray this daily. So make this a, a part of your daily routine that when you wake up, you pray through this prayer, whether you use the exact words or just kind of use it as a template. Start your day or start your day with this prayer that Jesus taught us. Now, as I've said numerous times already in this study, Uh, The prayer is not really about us. It's a very God-centered prayer. And this request seems at first to stand out from the rest. Uh, It seems a a little bit abrupt. You start by praying uh, for God's name to be hallowed, for his kingdom to come, for his will to be done. And then you say, and by the way, I'm hungry. That kind of seems like a random interruption to the flow of the prayer. Uh, But as we'll see, this request is really meant to direct our hearts to the God who provides our needs every day. 
Let's start by digging into the content of the request itself. I'm going to point out uh, two things in particular, two things I think we can get wrong about this very simple request for daily bread. First is that this is a request that God would provide our needs, not all of our wants. This is something we often get wrong about prayer. This is a prayer that God would provide our needs, not just what we want. Uh, Or if you want a pithier way of saying it, it's about our needs, not our greeds. Uh, This is a prayer for daily provision, is asking God to give us what we need for today. It's not about uh, God giving us everything that we desire. It's not about us asking for whatever we want. We're often disappointed in God for not giving us things that he never promised to give us. This prayer is limited to the things necessary to live and accomplish his will today. I think this is one of the main reasons people become very quickly disillusioned with prayer. We think of prayer, it starts with a misunderstanding of what prayer is. We think of prayer like like a vending machine, uh, that you just tell God what you want and out it comes. And this name it and claim it type idea of prayer. And that will inevitably lead to disappointment when the thing that you ask God for doesn't take place. But the Bible is clear that you will not receive uh, anything you want just because you prayed for it. James 4 verse 2. This is a very famous verse. You do not have because you do not ask. Or as the King James famously words it, you have not because you ask not. Most of us don't read the next verse, verse 3, which says, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So prayer is not a genie in a bottle where you can just get uh, whatever you desire. And James says, some of you ask for things and you wonder why God isn't giving you what you asked for. It's because you asked wrongly. You asked selfishly. You just want God to give you stuff that you want. It's not about God providing your needs so that you can do his will with your life. No, it's about you getting God to do your will. Many of us have that backwards view of prayer. And I think the model prayer, the order in the model prayer is very important. The very first request is that God's name would be exalted, that his name would be hallowed. Uh, The second request, that his kingdom would come and that his will would be done. And then we ask for our daily bread. And we don't forget the things that we just prayed. (laughs) We don't just forget the things that we just said, and okay, now I can get to what I really want. If your life is all about him, you won't ask selfishly or wrongly. You won't pray for all the worldly stuff and possessions and things that you want because it isn't about you. So how do we know what we need? This is a good question to ask. If this is a a request for our daily needs to be met, uh, how do we know? How do we differentiate between our needs and our wants? Uh, sometimes that line can become a bit blurry. What is it that makes something necessary and not just a selfish desire? And to answer this question, I think we need first to establish what we're trying to accomplish in our lives. Uh, what is it that, that is our goal? Uh, before you go to a store and buy groceries, you got to have a plan of what it is that you want to cook, and then you go get those ingredients. Before you build something, before you just go get a, get a bunch of tools and parts, you need to know what you're building. And so before we ask, uh, what is it that we need to live each day? The question should be asked, what is it we're trying to accomplish each day? Why do we exist, in other words, is the question. I googled this week, uh, why do we exist, and saw some pretty uh, terrible answers. But we're going to look at what Scripture says, starting in Genesis 1, verse 26, the creation account, where, where God says, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So when God created humans, 
He made us to be his image. We are statues of God, if you will. And that means our goal as images of God is to display God. That's what an image does. Our our goal is to display his glory in the world. If you want the theological term, we are to glorify God. That is the reason that we were created. The chief end of man, as the confession says, is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Isaiah 43, verse 6, I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. God did not create you as an end in yourself. You were made for more. You were made to be a representation of what God is like. You were made to bring him glory and to spread the glory of God to everyone around you. That is why you were created, and that is now why you exist. You exist, in other words, for the glory of God. Not only were you created to glorify God, but you were also saved to glorify God. Many of us think of the cross as being all about us, as God saving us and uh, giving us new life, and certainly that's true, but the ultimate reason why we are saved is to glorify God. Ephesians 1 verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So we were created for the glory of God. We were redeemed for the glory of God. And 1 Corinthians 6 uh, expounds on this further. Uh, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. A very important concept for a Christian, we are not our own. Uh, We don't live on on this earth for our own pleasures, for our own goals. We exist for the glory of God. We exist to bring him glory. That is why we were created. That is why we were saved. And so that is why we should live. And this reality should permeate into every area of our life. As Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 10, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So everything we do is to be done with the intention that God would be glorified. Every day we live, this should be our focus. Every good deed that we do, this should be our motivation. Jesus said this plainly in Matthew 5, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. It's important for you to have a good reputation in the eyes of others so that when they see your life of obedience to Christ, it brings glory to God. Everything we do should be about God's glory. Unless you think that uh, there is some higher calling for humanity than glorifying God, this is why Jesus came to earth. This is what he was all about in his life. Yes, he came to live a sinless life and to die as our substitute and to rise again, but all of that was a means to an end. All of that was a means to the end of glorifying God. That was the ultimate goal of everything Jesus did. John 17, verse 1, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. 
And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. The glory of God is the ultimate goal of everything that Jesus ever did. It's not wrong to say uh, Jesus died on a cross for you. That's true. But that's not the ultimate reason. Jesus died on the cross so you could be forgiven and given new life in order that God would be glorified. Everything goes back to the glory of God. So we exist for him. We live so he can be glorified. And when you begin to live this way, it changes how you pray. Because the most important thing in your life is what you start with, that God's, that God's name would be hallowed, uh, that his kingdom would come, that his will would be done. And whatever small part I may play in that, help me to do that, do, do my part today to glorify you. That is essentially, uh, should be the foundation of every prayer that we pray. And this view of my life as being all about him being glorified also changes how I pray for myself. Because now I don't come to God with my list of things that I want, like, like a letter kid writes to Santa or something. I'm not coming to God just wanting him to give me all of this stuff uh, so that I can have a more enjoyable life. No, now I'm coming to God asking for him to provide the things I need in order to best serve him today. What we need is defined by what we're living for. And if we're living for God's glory, our needs are whatever is needed for God to be most glorified. So it's not about my comforts or pleasures. It's, it's praying for our daily needs is asking God to give us what we need to live today to his glory. You ask and receive not because you ask selfishly. So this prayer for daily bread is not about our wants. It's not about our desires. It's about what we need and specifically what we need to glorify God today. So this prayer for daily bread, first of all, is about needs, not greeds. Next, we, not me. This is a point I think we often miss. Uh, Back to our text, verse again. Give us, notice the plural pronoun, our daily bread. Really easy for me to read that as if it's about my needs being met, but that's not what the verse says. It is a plural pronoun. I am to pray not just that I would have my daily needs met, but that you would too. We're really good at praying for our own needs to be met, Uh, but I wonder how good are you at praying for others? Uh, praying for somebody else's needs to be met. When someone shares a request with our church on Wednesday nights, as is often the case, is that just irrelevant to you? Because that's not my problem. Uh, No, it is your problem. As a Christian, we have a responsibility to pray for one another. How often do you pray for others? How often do you pray for others' needs to be met? Unless you think I'm making too big of a a deal out of the word us and our, uh, this is something that is found all over Scripture. 1 Timothy 2 Paul writing to Timothy says, first of all, so this is of primary importance, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. So we are to supplicate, we are to pray that others would have their needs met, Uh, we are to intercede for them, so that's referring to when someone basically is is sinning, Uh, we should be going to God on their behalf and interceding for them, and we should be giving thanks for others. All of these are prayers directed toward other people. Praying for others is all over Scripture. Here's just a handful of texts. Uh, James verse 5, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with, the, with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. 
Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. We often talk about the power of prayer, but in this text, the powerful prayer being spoken of is specifically interceding for others and, and interceding for others' needs and for, for somebody who is struggling with sin or somebody who is sick, uh, praying for them. Paul often mentions in his letters to various churches about the fact that he prays for them regularly. If you read the New Testament letters, uh, almost all of Paul's letters begin with, I pray for you all regularly. And sometimes he'll even say what it is that he prayed for. And so he was continuously praying for several different churches that we know of in the New Testament. Uh, One example of this is Colossians 1. Paul writing, he says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. That's a really good thing to pray for others, by the way. If you want just a model of how to pray for other people, uh, this would be a great example. I'd love it if somebody in this room would pray this for me. Uh, this, would be, this, this is a great prayer, that I would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. That's all a prayer that Paul prayed for the Christians in Colossae. Wouldn't you like somebody to pray that for you? And we are to pray that for others. We are to pray for others' needs to be met, for others who are struggling with sin, for others who are sick. These are all categories we see in Scripture of the ways we ought to pray for one another. First Samuel 12, verse 23, Samuel says, Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord, by ceasing to pray for you. I wonder, when was the last time you prayed for someone else's needs to be met instead of just your own? I'm not saying don't pray for you. You need prayer too. Uh, But we are to pray for our needs to be met, not just mine. So give us this day our daily bread means I pray for needs, not greeds, and I pray for we, not me. Now let's answer another question. This is a a broader question uh, about prayer in general. And that is, why is it that we have to ask God to meet our needs? Uh, Why do we even have to ask God for anything? If he already knows what we need, why does he insist on us asking every day for our food? Jesus said, uh, just before giving the model prayer in Matthew chapter 6, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So if our Father already knows the things we need before we ask, why do we have to ask? I'll give you a hint. It's not for God. Uh, He doesn't need information about what you need. He already knows what you need. We are to pray for our sake. We don't pray for God's information. He already knows everything. He's not waiting for our input. We pray for God to give us each day our daily bread for our sake. Because I sometimes forget who really provides for me. I'm going to say that again because it's really the key to the whole sermon. Uh, We don't ask God to provide our needs for his sake as though he didn't know what we needed already. No, God wants us to ask him because it reminds us who really is the source of everything that we have. 
Ray Stedman said, Obviously, prayer is not something by which we inform God of our needs or influence Him, but prayer is designed to influence us. It is we who are in need of this kind of prayer, not God. Of course, He he knows what we have need of, for He knows everything about us. But prayer is something we need. God does not need to be told, but we need to tell Him. That is the point. There are certain things that parents, good parents, do for their kids. Uh, One of those is teaching them that the world doesn't owe you anything. Uh, That's one thing I wish more people would learn. But but that's one of the reasons why we tell children to say please and thank you. Uh, It's not just about being polite, but it it, it, it's it's not also it's not just about them communicating what it is that they want. A a baby can make very clear what he wants by crying and demanding to to be given food or whatever else. Uh, Babies have a certain entitlement mentality. Uh, that, unfortunately, some people don't grow out of, but I digress. Uh, we teach children to say please and thank you in order to reinforce the fact that they are not owed anything. And when somebody does something for you or gives something to you, you should recognize the kindness of that person and express appreciation. And so why do we pray for God to give us our food today? Uh, why do we pray before a meal and thank him for the food? A good way to think of those two are please and thank you. You start your day saying, God, please give me my food. And then when the food is there, you don't just eat it. You say thank you before eating it. And so what's the point of that? Uh, It is to reinforce in our thinking that it is God who gave this to us, that we didn't just come up with it on our own. Why do we pray before a meal and thank God for food? Because it reminds us that he's the one who gave it to us. Uh, By the way, I'll be honest, for a long time, uh, I stopped praying before meals. I grew up in a home where we did that. Uh, every time we ate, we would pray uh, before eating. And something about, I don't know, it, just, it felt like a ritualistic kind of religious empty thing. And so I just stopped doing it. Um, but I was convicted by the fact that in Scripture, Jesus does tell us to pray before a meal. Uh, he tells us th- this should be a, this, this is a good ritual uh, that we should be taking part in. And I think the reason for that is the same reason we ask God for our daily bread, to remind us who it is that gave it to us. It's easy for us in 21st century America to think that we provide for ourselves. Uh, We work a job and we pay for our food, so we feel like God really had nothing to do with our needs being met. But then every once in a while, God may send a reminder to you of your dependence on him, like when you lose your job. Uh, That's a a big wake-up call, that, wow, uh, I'm not so self-sufficient as I thought I was. When you're injured and you can't work for a while, suddenly you realize how dependent you are on the goodness of God to provide your needs. James wrote in his letter, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom is no variation or shadow due to change. Philippians 4 verse 19, My God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You aren't the source of your food or other needs being met. If it wasn't for God sustaining you each day, you wouldn't breathe one more breath. And the daily prayer that God would supply your needs today, combined with the regular thanksgiving that he provided for you again today, that routine helps remind us that it is God who is sustaining us, that he provides our needs. Uh, Do you remember the story in the Old Testament about the manna? Uh, We're not going to go there right now, but if you read in Exodus 16, uh, there's a fascinating story where the children of Israel are traveling through the desert And God provides food for them, uh, basically by just raining it down from heaven. Uh, They called it manna. It was some sort of flaky substance. They didn't know what it was. They walked out and said, what is that? And that's what manna means. The word manna means, what is it? Uh, The name just kind of stuck. 
but it was it, it would basically land on the ground like frost across it, uh, across the land, and they would gather it up, and then it, it would melt by the afternoon. And so God gave them food every day through this means. And God told the Israelites to go out every morning and gather what they needed for that day. Don't store any of it for tomorrow. And of course, they disobeyed. Uh, Right away, they started storing it for the next day, and it would spoil. Uh, God caused the manna to only last that one day. It would spoil if you tried to store it up. God wanted them to go out every morning and gather only what was needed for their sustenance that day. There was one exception. Uh, They were not supposed to gather on the Sabbath day. And so on that particular day, and this is all a supernatural thing that only God could have done, uh, they would gather twice as much on Friday, and it wouldn't spoil on Saturday. That was the only day that it wouldn't go bad. And so they they would gather twice as much Friday, and if if somebody disobeyed that one and they went out on Saturday, there would be no man on the ground. Uh, God would not cause it to rain down on Saturdays. So it would rain six days a week, and they would go out and gather each morning. Now, that's a classic Old Testament story most of us are familiar with, but what's the point? I think God was trying to teach the Israelites that they were dependent on him for their daily food. They literally went out and gathered what God had provided for them that day. And if they disobeyed his instructions, they wouldn't get any. That was how God reminded them every morning of the fact that he was the one providing for them. And for the Christian, this daily pattern of asking God for the food we need today and then thanking him for our food before we eat it, that discipline should have a similar effect on us. It reminds us of who it is that is providing for us each day. And so uh, one of the things I've been asking about each one of these requests is what does this prayer, what is praying this way, what effect should it have on our day-to-day living? I think, first of all, prayer is a guard against pride. Humbly bowing and asking God to meet your needs helps protect your heart from the arrogant self-sufficiency that we tend towards. Uh, Jesus told a parable in Luke chapter 12. I referred to this a few weeks ago, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but we'll read part of it here. Uh, Luke 12, beginning in verse 16, he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. He said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? This guy thought he was doing really well. Uh, His needs were met. He didn't need God anymore because he had this great crop. And so he would store it up and relax. He had big plans for the future, totally oblivious to the fact that God was the source of his strength to get up every day and work that field that had produced such a great harvest. And so we pray each day for our needs to be met. We pray for this day's needs. We aren't asking God to give us bigger barns in order to have a lavish lifestyle of pleasure and prosperity. We simply ask, God, would you provide for me today what I need to live for your glory? As Psalm 30, verse 8 says, Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. That's a hard prayer for us to pray, but it's one that I think would be healthy. Uh, God, please don't make me poor and please don't make me rich. Provide my needs. Provide what I need to live today. Here are five general principles that I think we learn from this request for daily bread. Number one, the desires we have should be subordinated to the purposes of God. 
So we first pray for God's name, for his kingdom, and for his will before asking anything of ourselves. Number two, we learn that our dependence upon God for provision ought to be recognized. We don't just pray for provision when our fridge is empty. Uh, We pray even when things are good to remind us that God is the source of everything that we have. Number three, we learn that a sufficiency and not a superabundance is to be requested. We, We ask for this day's bread. Number four, we learn that unneedful anxiety about the future should be condemned. Not only does this teach us contentment uh, to live with what God has provided for us, but also not to be worried about the future. It teaches us to trust and rely upon him to meet our needs. Number five, all covetousness of others should be avoided. Be content with what God provides for you and don't worry about what somebody else has. The prayer for daily food, like Thanksgiving before a meal, is to remind us of our dependence on him. Prayer is to be a daily reminder of the goodness of God and all that he provides for us. If you worked a job in order to purchase that food, thank God for the job you have. That could be gone tomorrow. Uh, Many of us were reminded of that really in the last year. So many people lost employment this year, and so many lives were turned upside down by the changes that took place. And and it's a good reminder of the fact that we aren't self-sufficient. God can change uh, our circumstances at, at any point in time. And so we pray for God's will first, and then for our needs to be met. We seek to glorify God in our lives, and then we trust that he will take care of our temporary needs. So praying for daily bread reminds us that it's not about us. Even this prayer is really about getting our minds focused on God, on his goodness, on his provision for us. We ask that his name would be exalted, that his kingdom would come, that we would follow his will today, And then we ask that he would provide our needs. And Father, we do ask now that you would give us our daily bread, that you would provide for us this week and uh, and even today the things that we need. We recognize and acknowledge, God, the fact that we are utterly dependent upon you for our existence, that, that by you we exist, that you are the one holding us together. You're the one who gave us breath and life this morning. You're the one who gave us the strength to get out of bed today. And so we thank you for that, God, and we ask that you would continue uh, to, to meet our needs, to provide for us, so that we could live for your glory. It's not about us just receiving what we want, but it's about us having our needs met so we can live for you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We hope the message you just heard was helpful to you. It means a lot to us that you would join us for this podcast. For more information about our church and meeting times, visit lbcmiller.com. Or call us at 219-885-9303. We would love to hear from you.